The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everybody, welcome to the Everybody is Dead Dave podcast, the Red Dwarf Review podcast where we're making our way through every episode of the show. Myself, the long-term fan since the 90s, Phil Hawkins, and joining me as always, Adam Martin, the relative newbie. The relative newbie, that's me. Hello everybody. And we also occasionally like to have a guest reviewer on, and today we have got Matt Cook, who is... One of our regular listeners, always interacting on the Twitter account and on the comment section. So thanks for coming, Matt. You, uh, come, we've we've got you on. You specifically suggested coming on for this episode, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes. For one, <laughs> I, I'm assuming one particular reason in in that half of this episode deals with a plot line that has something related to your area of expertise in your own content creation. Because what do you what do you do? You have a YouTube channel. What's it called? Tell us about it. What's it called and what does it cover? Okay, so I've got a channel called Cask Theology. And it's a channel about theology and beer. Nice. And yes, you heard that right. So, <laughs> so yeah. Is there, is there much could... crossover between the two? I mean, I know there's obviously the, the Holy Communion is wine, so that's not beer. <laughs> yeah, well, there's more than you know. There's a lot of beer brewing that went on in monasteries and stuff like that. So ah, yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of historical stuff. Yeah, we will get to um, we'll get to the, the plot bits of it later. But obviously there is a plot point towards the latter half of this episode all about the Red Dwarf crew meeting somebody called Jesus. Uh, this yes. guy, long haired, wears sandals, called Jesus. So we think, I, th- I think there might be some interesting discussions. I'm really keen to hear your thoughts on this because both myself and Adam, um, I think it's fair to say we're we class ourselves as atheists. So mm-hmm. it, it was it's really interesting to have somebody with a different point of view on that can talk about it from a different perspective as well, and how you might view the episode maybe differently, maybe the same. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I suggested myself because I thought, well. Why not get a theologian on to absolutely talk mm. about something quite theological? Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Um, so let's let's dive into the episode then. We we start with um, well, Cat comes into the quarters and basically just steals Lister's food. Lister has found some nice steaks, uh, some pork chops or something, and they're the last ones he's found them freezer dried in the. Uh, near Crichton's quarters, I think it was, but they're the last ones. And Cat comes in and just takes them. <laughs> so mm. this typical cat behavior, I think, there. Yeah. It did feel like an odd fit, obviously, without spoiling it yet, because we'll get to it. It feels like an odd, it felt like an odd first scene, you know, upon first viewing, if you get me. Like when we go to the next scene, I just sort of thought, oh, that was, that was bizarre. Like Cat's just come in and stolen Lister's food and that's pretty much it. But yeah, all will be revealed later on. Yeah, it does. Mm. Red Dwarf does this sometimes, doesn't it? Where it has kind of a, a random sketch that doesn't tie into anything else in the episode to start the episode off. Sometimes it works better than others. Matt, what, how do you think this one works? Yeah, it's 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 like almost a classic sort of BBC era opening. Mm. I've got two notes about this particular scene. The first is, so how much JMC lager is there on board? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the second is actually The Return of the Cats. Wow! Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we, we've been like ages. Yeah, we've enjoyed it. This uh, Series 10, I think, is he's starting to get those like old catisms back, as we said, mm. from like Series 1 and 2. Because, yeah, for a lot of the BBC era, it just sort of gets forgotten about, doesn't it? Like, or he just stops doing it. I think with this series overall, I noticed it a bit in the previous couple of episodes we've covered series 10 as well, that they are making a lot more, they're making a lot more references and nods back to the past of the show, but not in a kind of overly heavy way. It's all very subtle and not like kind of in your face. It's just these little Mm. things that happen that you kind of go, ah, that's, yeah, he used to do that all the time or something like that. And it's, yeah. I mean, that's quite nice, the kind of harkening back to that history. Hmm. Lister, and this is something else I quite like, because last episode, Lister told himself as his dad to start the robotics course. And we saw him at the end starting to study for it, but then getting distracted. And, I, you know, normally I would have assumed that would be it and we would hear no more of it. But actually, in this episode, he is still studying for that robotics program yeah and some direct some, continuity some actual carryover from a previous episode on red dwarf <laughs> yeah. but like actual continuity between episodes i was quite amazed and it, i don't think it's the last time either in this episode where something has carried over from a previous episode uh, a reference there was um we'll get to it later but um yeah it's, it's i'm quite liking this i kind of hope it continues i can't remember if it does because i mean i have seen these episodes before but I think I've only seen series 10 once. So okay. I I don't think I've ever rewatched it. So it's all, a, it's, even though it's not new to me, it's fairly vague. One thing we didn't ask you, Matt, is what's your history of Red Dwarf? When did you start watching it? Okay, so I have this thing called the, uh, the Adams Hawkins scale. From, <laughs> <laughs> for, so, so are you a relative newbie on the... On the Martin scale, or are you on the Hawkins scale? I'm kind of <laughs> somewhere in the middle, in a weird nice. way. So the first ever episode of Red Dwarf I watched was the first run of Backwards, season three. I was very okay. excited. My dad bought me a TV, which was a 20-inch TV, which back then was the Ooh, half the peak size of the market. bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> old Mitsubishi thing. And I managed to watch all the way up to about season eight. Now, because of my work, because I'm a barman... Uh, work gets in the way, so ran, I kind of got lost around about season eight. Uh, I think I watched the season nine or Back to Earth when it first came out. Because uh, I think that was on Dave, wasn't it, or something, something like that. Mm. Yeah, TV. I can't remember. And after that, there's like this big void. But of course, 2020 happened, and that <laughs> year, 2020 on my birthday, my wife happened to buy me just the shows. Nice. So I watched, so I thought, well, I've got nothing better to do. I'm on furlough. So I binge watched the whole lot and carried it on. So, nice. so that's how I, so I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of the Hawkins Martin scale because <laughs> I'm a I long like time that. viewer, but only just recently caught up. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, I had a, a, like I watched Back to Earth and then mm. I can't remember if I watched series 10 as it went out mm. or if I didn't watch it until later i actually can't remember when i watched it i think i might have watched it maybe just before one of the other later series comes out so i don't think i mm. actually took the time to to seek it out i was too busy doing up whenever 2012 i was i was uh, starting new jobs and moving 
to a different area of the country. I was probably just a bit busy. And so I didn't didn't get around to it at the time. And it was a bit later. So it, it kind of got a similar thing there. I didn't mm. go straight to it, uh, despite having already watched all the previous series. So, yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, that you're sort of uh, that that point. Can you remember watching these episodes? When, so when did you watch these? When you got just the shows? Was that when you watched this series? Yeah, I mean, I've got a vague remember vague memory of watching series 10 when it first came out okay um, just a very vague memory so maybe when i was tired after work but certainly 2020 binge thought in one summer because uh, nice. well i wasn't going anywhere <laughs> so, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> uh, 2020. um then we so yeah. going back to the episode we get um uh is it yeah it's lister and rimmer talking about shakespeare because this is while he's studying for his his robotics thing, which is apparently you've got, while studying for robotics, you've got to find, uh, study great people from history for some reason. Not entirely sure mm. why. But um, <laughs> so one of those people is Shakespeare. And they're talking about Shakespeare and the sayings that he coined and uh, in a pickle and food fit for a king are two of the sayings that we say all the time and Shakespeare yeah. came up with. I mean, as an actor, I, I you know I'll always appreciate a good Shakespeare gag, but I'm I'm gonna do my uh, my regular thing, and, and Matt, mate, you'll probably know this, but I oh, think yeah. this scene went on for a little too long. <laughs> this whole <laughs> gag. I don't know what it is. It's just it's probably you know, haha. He's the younger one. He's got a shorter attention span. It's probably true, but um, no, I, I don't know. I just felt it was eked out just a little bit, not by much, but just like a little bit too long. I don't know what you two thought in comparison. Matt? Well, yeah, I could see it. I mean, the only note I've got is that uh, we seem to have got that old Lister and Rimmer banter back. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes that can drag on a bit because they're trying to bounce off each other a bit. Yeah. And what about you, Phil? What do you think? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I didn't remember thinking it went on too long, particularly. Um, I quite liked the back and forth. Um, mm. Rimmer clearly doesn't like Shakespeare. Partly, apparently, because he's got a skullet. <laughs> yeah, that was inventive. I'll give him that. The skullet was very skullet, inventive. Yes, a bald head, but with a mullet at the back. <laughs> bald on front, mullet in the back. A That's skullet. right. Yeah, I, I thought it was okay. It wasn't like a great scene. I think a lot of this first half of the episode feels very sort of piecemeal. It feels like they're just. It's just like, mm. yeah, here's a couple of jokes about one subject. Here's a couple of jokes about another. When there's not much of a coherent through line for it sure sure if that makes sense mm -hmm. um where we start to get to the main plot though is where they come across a delivery parcel that is en route somewhere that has some uh parcels in it including a rejuvenation shower mm. which is a can restore you to the prime of your life uh that'd be nice wouldn't it um <laughs> if only if only, if only um <laughs> But it's Swedish, so it's a flat pack. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering what that's referring to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, wonder I think, what. I <laughs> think we've all put together a few flat packs in our time. And yes, they are very frustrating. Everyone has that common experience, I think. Uh, yes. So, yes, it's very frustrating. And, it, and as always happens, you have some left over, some pieces left over. There's a nice building, sort of building it montage, I thought. I like that. What do you guys think of the montage? <laughs> yeah. It, it exemplified oh, all my frustrations of putting together wardrobes and whatnot. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Adam. Absolutely. 
Mm. <laughs> and if it's yes. a, we didn't see the instructions, but they were if they're anything like the instructions you get from a certain Swedish uh, furniture manufacturer, <laughs> they don't have that detailed instructions, and <laughs> you, you kind of and, can quite yeah. easily go what. Well, for anyone who says that, like, yeah, I get it. For for some people, they are straightforward. But I, for me, just personally, if you write out your instructions in great detail, I absorb that a lot better. I can interpret that. Whereas just the, you know, it's mainly just the pictures, isn't it? And the numbers, that just doesn't click with me at all. Yeah. Absolutely. They're like, they're like Escher paintings, aren't they? They're, it's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some weird sort of 3D, uh, which ends yeah. the beginning. <laughs> it just, honestly, nightmare. Absolute nightmare. But they do finish it eventually and build it. It does not look like it does on the box. <laughs> and no. they have parts left over. Uh, but they're going to test it. And so they need something that's um, alive. <laughs> so Crichton suggests using Rimmer's sock, which is teeming with life, apparently. Yeah. Sock in. That checks out. Turn it on. But of course, it hasn't been built properly. So instead of the whatever the rays are, going inwards on the sock and they go outwards and for some reason send them yes. through time yeah i mean i thought is it because you know rejuvenation it implies it can like make you younger or take you back it's like there is some time traveling involved but i thought that would just be applied to your body not your your physical space yeah if you like <laughs> yes it never get me wonder if it was partially based on the stasis technology Mm, true. That's true because, of course, yeah, stasis leak. Uh, yeah, mm. when there's a stasis leak, that can cause time. Very it can. good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a magic door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but they appear in a forest, to which they immediately, or well, Lister immediately goes, "Oh, maybe we're on Earth." And I love Cat's line up. This Earth. It's always Earth with you guys. You see some trees? It's Earth. Who's to say it isn't a planet entirely populated by naked warrior cat babes who need me to make love to them all? Yeah, it's a good play on a sci-fi trope, isn't it? You know, like anything like that. It's like, oh, trees, we, we must be on Earth or something like that. So I, I quite liked it. They've time travelled to 23 AD Britain, or should I say Albion. They've got a remote control which can send them back, but it hasn't got any power. So they need to make a battery. They've, this is what they work out. And so, as we all know from school science experiments, you can make a battery with potatoes. Unfortunately, potatoes aren't in Britain by this point in history, so they no. can't do that. So the next next best thing is lemons, but there aren't lemons in Britain at this point no. in history either. So they have to work out where the nearest place they could get lemons is. That is apparently India. I, I My history isn't good enough to know if that is the nearest place that there would have been lemons at this time. Or indeed, if there was another place that might have had potatoes that was closer at this time. Yes. But, but India is where they're going. Before we jump to India, did you two notice the line when they say, right, we've got we've to get back to the dwarf, and Lister says, and find Kachansky? Yes. Because, uh, yeah, but, last episode I mentioned, are we going to get a Kachansky reference every episode? Because so far we have, and here's, here's today's one. Yeah, but we've noticed, uh, I can't uh, when we've been rewatching see, um, Series 10, Matt, is that these Kachansky references are sort of just like throwaway lines almost. Mm. Like they, they're never followed up on or, you, do you know what I mean? It's almost like just a name drop for the sake of it. So, um, yeah, obviously, like, I, I don't know what's coming. Maybe Kachansky does reappear. But it, all, it just seems a bit weird, especially this is the weirdest one so far because it's so, it's 
you know, Kachansky's not been mentioned at all this episode, and now all of a sudden Dave's like, oh, we've got to get back and find Kachansky. It's like, well, hang on. Like, <laughs> what are we talking about? Matt, what are your thoughts on Kachansky? Do you, would you would you have liked to have seen her back in this, or are you glad she's they've they've sort of pushed put her to one side and got back well, to the original I mean, core crew? Well, with the references, you kind of feel like they're building up to something, but I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just yeah, it, it always feels like name drops at the minute. It's just like let's just remind people that yeah, we're still Red Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kachansky was part of it. Yeah, that's fair enough. But alas, no Chloe Annette this episode. No, no. shame. No. Um, we do get a them traveling to India, but we get it via sort of Indiana Jones style map with dotted line. Um, I, li- I like that nice little graphic. I have yes. a, my note actually says that's a nice history YouTube map. Yes, <laughs> that is <laughs> that so too. true. That is so true. Yeah, you watch you watch any YouTube history, and they've got some sort of map like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So they've gone there for the lemons. They go to a market. Lister's got a big beard. It's obviously taken them like who six knows months. How long. Six months. They, they say six yeah. months. Six months to get there. Um, so he's got a big beard. Um, everyone's very tired after walk, presumably walking a lot of this way. Um, and they go to a market. They go to a market and find somebody selling lemons. A woman who mentions that she has visited Albion. So she has also done that long long journey um but apparently her family were hunted and chased and burned in a wicker man by the druids so Hmm. um yeah i don't know if your theology covers druids uh, Um, uh... my note is i'm not quite sure how accurate that is (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i'm guessing that's a reference to the like the wicker man horror movie yeah Um, but yeah i don't know i don't know if druids actually did that (laughs) Certainly yeah. modern druids don't. Um, no. no. <laughs> I met a few. Uh, so maybe take it with a bit of pinch of salt, folks. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> now they got the lemons, they need some copper, which uh, I did like the fact that they then realised that actually Britain is quite rich in copper. Yes. And that they could have got that while they were there. And Crichton's line is like, oh, I told you we should have got a shopping list. <laughs> Yes. That's one of my favourite lines of the show, uh, of this episode, I think. <laughs> uh, but they do have copper on them because they have copper points. So it's all right. They don't need to go all the way back to Albion. It is all okay. Um, and they get some galvanised steel from somewhere as well. So they've got the things they need to construct their battery. And then they are sitting around um, discussing this at a sort of dinner table. And... Uh, Lister, uh, I can't remember exactly what's, what happens to make him say it, but he's like, as an explanation, he's like, Jesus. And then somebody turns around behind him and goes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, someone with long hair in robes, sandals, that kind of whole thing. So, you know, everyone there at the table was like, oh, that's... There. Now, interestingly, I, I believe that it's Red Dwarf, so... They're not going to be historically accurate in any sort of way, but it wouldn't have been pronounced Jesus, would it? Would it have been pronounced Jesus? Uh, no. No, it wouldn't. Oh, okay. No, that's interesting because that's how a lot of people pronounce it now, don't they? When, like, if you're, hmm, mm. okay, give us the lowdown on the <laughs> so pronunciation. So, <laughs> so it's a bit weird. So Jesus is a English 
meshing of words from way back when um, Jesus was actually, it would have been more Yeshua, because there's no oh, J, there's no J in the Jewish language. Um, so it would have been Yeshua. So if you actually translate it to today's language, uh, his actual name would be something like Joshua. Right. So yeah, his name would have been Josh. Uh, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Josh. Josh, yeah, Christ. Josh, Josh Christ, yeah. yeah. Josh Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. See, I, I had always assumed that the modern pronunciation of when people have the name spelt like that, which tends to be Jesus. I think was... that's more I think that's more of a, a Latin Spanish okay. kind of twist on it. Mm. Uh, interesting. Oh, there you go. This has been educational already. Mm. That is good. One um, thing I wanted to bring up uh, around this point is when, obviously, when they establish that Jesus is there and uh, Rimmer starts talking about how his middle name's Judas and uh, how his mother named him that, how he uh, was part of the Church of Judas, um, who believe in, isn't it, the, the whole theory that Judas was actually Jesus's twin and all that sort of stuff. Now, my my knowledge on different churches is like not very good at all. So, I mean, Matt is is the church. This might sound like a silly question, so I apologise in advance. But is you know, there's all there's churches for all kinds of things. Like, is is there a church of Judas, or is this completely made up for Red Dwarf? I think this has been made up for Red Dwarf, but there has been lots of weird and wacky sort of things that have cropped mm. up with this sort of thing. It's not the weirdest. Thing oh, I've right. heard in my theology degree. Uh, oh. <laughs> also, I want to bring up that Rimmer actually had said that his family were Seventh Day Advent Hoppists. They were, mm. yes, I remember uh, that. So I wonder how that meshes in. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe his mum was um, a re- born, born into the um, Church of Judas, but then later on uh, converted to the Seventh Day Hoppists. Maybe, yes. maybe or maybe vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe. Who knows? Yeah, That's... it's not the weirdest thing I've heard, but uh, <laughs> plenty, of th- plenty of theories. Uh, but I think this one's been made up. For I had assumed <laughs> that the whole church there being like a church of Judas um, was completely made up, but I did wonder if there might be, or if you'd ever come across people who had had the theory that Judas was Jesus's brother uh, before. Well, there are similar sort of theories uh, to go along that whole replacement line. Mm. Uh, I think I think one of them was that, uh, oh, what's his name now? I can't remember it. But the guy that carried Jesus' cross up the hill, it was he basically got done. Very much a la Life of Brian. Um, so <laughs> oh, yes. the, the, there's, that kind of thing has been thrown around in the past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. That's interesting. We get cat stupidity coming out again here because they're talking about how it, they've talked about how it's 23 AD and they're talking about it possibly being Jesus. And they're like, he's like, oh, how old is, would he be? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and then I did one, like Rimmer guy takes out an imaginary calculator and then spends a very long time tapping yeah. imaginary buttons on his imaginary calculator going, oh, let me just see, just make that calculation. Um, it felt to me like that went on a bit too long. So, Adam, do you think it went on too long? Uh, well, yeah, I just thought you could have had, you know, Cat and Rimmer sort of saying, oh, when is it? And then just have a witty one-line response from Lister. Or Do you know what I mean? I don't think you needed that whole calculator thing. But, I mean, 
Around this time as well, I love how by this point, when we first see the gang in India, they're, they're dressed up a bit more to try and blend in. But by this point, they've just got like, you know, headgear on, but then they're in their normal outfits. And I love how no one in 23 AD is in any way phased by what they look like. <laughs> Especially Crichton, like. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that, I suppose he, the way he looks is why Jesus um, mistakes him for a gladiator at some point. I, I guess he assumes his head has been bashed so many times by <laughs> implements in the gladiator ring that he just looks that shape. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, I did wonder because when they arrived in India and they, they bring this up in the show. Um, but before they did, I was like, Oh, I'm, do they go on to like more the middle East? Cause they're talking, they're in India at the moment. And they bring up the fact that there's these missing years that like the Bible doesn't talk about in Jesus's life. You know, he's born in the stable and then you don't hear from him until he's like 30 or 40, something like that. So you got the, the whole of him growing up and getting to that age where you don't know where he is. So the theory is he might have traveled the world. Is that something that is held to in sort of theological circles? Is that something that people generally think that he might have generally traveled quite far? Again, there are there are some theories that he may have traveled as far as India. Uh, because there is, it, it, in terms of the, the Bible, he gets born, and then next thing he's 30-odd. Doing it, uh, getting baptized. So there is that that mm. gap. There's this. There's a lot of weird infancy gospels, um, which explain these missing years. But uh, yeah, some folks have actually said he might have gone to India because, well, some of his teachings. You know, some folks say, oh, it might have been influenced by certain certain thought in India. But yeah, it's it, it is an idea that's floated around. But yeah, and I just, suppose India no evidence. is. Yeah. India is just about plausible and that like it's close enough mm. to be plausible. You've got like also, I suppose, don't the Mormons believe he went to America? Um, and I, that seems a bit more far fetched, like <laughs> going all the way to America and back by the time he's 30. That seems a little bit more unlikely. There's a, there's a lot of far fetched stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That's a very that's a very mild way of putting it, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, but that but that third year <laughs> of my degree, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's going on? So. Um, somebody mentions to Rimmer that like he because Rimmer's getting quite fanboy about it almost, and because of it, because of why he was named middle name Judas and his mum and all that sort of stuff, he's getting quite fanboy about it and wants to go and meet Jesus. Um, and somebody points out to him like. You don't even believe in him. <laughs> but to be honest, I can I can empathize that. Like I'm not I'm an atheist, but like if I actually time traveled and then there was a, a Jesus there and it matched up with I'd be like, okay, no, I want to talk to him. I want to find out. Yeah. I'd probably yeah. probably wouldn't be quite as fanboy as Rimmer is, but I definitely want to like investigate a bit more and see what was up. So mm. I kind of I kind of get that, but it was quite funny. But like Lister just like you don't even believe in him. Yeah, shoots him down. I suppose the the Romans come in pretty soon. Oh yes, but before that, Jesus invites him them all to his table um, because he's kind of overheard them. And he thinks that Rimmer like and them all getting up is them expressing their hunger, and he has food, so he's going to share it. And he has all these charitable, peace loving, non violent traits that. Uh, you associate with the character of Jesus from the Bible. So it like mm. everyone is like, oh, you know, 
uh, when when the Romans do come in and they're they're running away, I like the line like. The only escape from our enemies is to turn and love them. Or run, running is good too. Damn there. Yeah, typical rumor, of course. Yeah, when he when they before that though, when they do go to the table, I like the just the visual imagery of them on the table because it's very Last Supper esque on the very long table. Mm, yes, <laughs> that's that's in my notes. Yeah. That's in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the guy on the far end is, though. On the far, on the far left. <laughs> <laughs> they just needed someone extra. They just needed so an like, extra, yeah, yeah, you see it. <laughs> yeah. He also uh, has an uncle that comes running in at some point to warn them of the uh, the the Romans coming. Um, now, I mean, I'm assuming everybody listening to this has watched it, so it won't be a spoiler to say, like, this may not be the Jesus we're thinking. But but at this point in the narrative, if you've never seen this episode before, you're meant to think it is. So in that context, which, who, on which side of the family do we reckon this is an uncle? Do we reckon? Well, I mean, which side of the family, including foster slash um, adoptive parents? Because let's include Joseph in this. Um, but uh, is it is it Mary's brother? Do we, you know, who are we meant to think it is? Yeah, I wondered who it was. But honestly, at this point, I didn't really read too much into it. I just found it funny that he's trying to use, you know, speech their way out of it. And the Romans just aren't here for it. They just <laughs> toss him aside. At this point, Adam, did you have any inclination that the gag at the end would end up being that this wasn't the Jesus? Not at all. Yeah, I was I was there until the end. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that makes me gullible. I don't know. No, I don't I think was, so. I, I think it's framed it exactly like that. I don't think you're meant to work like work it out at any point. Yeah, but um, at, like at this bit when you know they're hiding from the Romans and they get their lemon battery to work back to Red Dwarf and they have to take Jesus with them. How how from the, unless I missed it? How from? Oh, because they have the remote. I was going. They have the remote, don't they? Yeah. Right, okay, that's how they can specifically time it to Red Dwarf. I think I forgot at one point they had the remote, so I thought, hang on, how from just a lemon can you accurately program to go back to Red Dwarf? If they have the remote, that's fine. And they take Jesus back to Red Dwarf in the future, and I love the fact that he's just, like, the most fascinated by a tote bag. (laughs) But, I mean, was, was, is, I mean, I don't know if you know, Matt, but was that true of the time, like, they say earlier that they that there weren't bags as such it was just more satchels made from goat hide was there there wasn't really anything that we recognize the concept of a bag i suppose do you know i'm not quite sure <laughs> you know what i i when they said that i thought like but a satchel is a bag <laughs> so <laughs> in a way it is yes <laughs> okay it's not a bag with in, a roundabout in that way. way but it's still a it's still a bag it's not like <laughs> It's not like the concept is completely alien. <laughs> I think maybe the the idea of a of a bag that you get from Waitrose or Lidl, <laughs> that kind of thing, <laughs> that wasn't around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but people had to carry stuff around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We get the Jesus has been having some pains in in sort of his uh, abdominal area and stuff, and they diagnose him with a uh, kidney stone. And uh, mm. so they're going to have to operate on him. <laughs> we get First of all, we get a reference. I don't know what this, like, they mentioned that Crichton has been operating on Lister for years and apparently has loads of his organs in a freezer somewhere, which was a really random line, I thought. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 
It, they just sort of slipped that in. Yeah. But then they, um, this is where the reference to the previous episode comes in again, because they mentioned that they don't have any anesthetic, I can't pronounce it, mm. anesthetic yeah. left, which is, of course, it got used, Cat took the last lot of it last episode when Lister needed it for his uh, tooth drilling. So that that kind of is another nice little yeah, minor bit nice of continuity carryover. And I like the fact that they're doing that. That's really mm. good. I was just gonna say I like the reveal. Like as you say, they sort of discuss that Crichton's been Crichton's been doing this uh, with the uh, and one thing is that he kept Lister's spleen in uh, his refrigerated unit, which leads Lister to uh, sort of drop the ball again, tying to that very first scene that Cat actually stole and ate uh, <laughs> Lister's spleen, which again in context, made the scene funny. But again, I think when you watch it for that first time, it just felt like such an odd opener. But I actually quite like the reveal of this. I don't know what you two thought of it. Oh, yeah. It was it was fun. Give me a chuckle. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked the operating scene, though. I don't know what you guys thought of that. Um, especially Rimmer getting very excited about... Because they're, they're going to go up through, um, through, through Jesus' private parts to pull out the... Um, the stone and somebody needs to hold it upright and rumor is very very keen to take that role <laughs> i'll hold it it'll be an absolute privilege to hold it in what past the barbecue tongs this is the high point of my entire career <laughs> <laughs> yeah he certainly is no i liked it i thought it was good fun good everyone was seemed on form as well and i mean just on a whole i think like we've sort of said, Series 10 benefits so much again from having a studio audience back as well. Um, oh, Because obviously for Back to Earth, they sort of ditch the studio audience. And I think it definitely impacts on the performances sometimes because especially when you're doing that sort of comedy, like hearing the reaction as you're doing it certainly keeps your energy up. So yeah, definitely helped. While he's recovering though, Jesus um, is... Uh, takes to reading Rimmer's book about famous people and finds out about, reads the section on Jesus Christ and does a runner, basically, all the way back to 23 AD. Mm. Yes. And when when they find him gone, um, I can't remember who says it now, actually. It might have been Rimmer, I think. It says, uh, Didn't it occur to you that him reading about how many wars Christianity's caused might mess him up a bit? What's, what's your take on that, Matt? How, how do you feel about... Um, those references because i mean there are there's been a lot of wars fought in christianity's name the crusades onwards oh well, um, yes <laughs> yeah well put yourself in like his shoes you know if you get like transported three million years in the future and you read mm. you know adam or phil caused this atrocity that would mess you up <laughs> you probably would want yeah. to, you probably would do, want to do a runner wouldn't you um no, that's <laughs> <is> true <laughs> Don't want that on any conscience. You don't know, you know. <laughs> his plan, therefore, seems to be to go back and trash his own reputation so that the religion doesn't form around him, um, and, and based off of him. And he does this by breaking the Ten Commandments as much as possible. So he sort of calls. I like. I love the bit where he's like basically screaming out into the marketplace that he's coveting that guy's ox or something like yes. that. <laughs> Yeah, a slightly unhinged Jesus, which is quite amusing. Because, <laughs> of course, like, we, you know, we, I mean, 
Is there, I don't know, Matt, again, like, I don't know if in the Bible or just generally, like, you know, whenever, like, when I was taught about Jesus and all that sort of stuff in school, it, he was always portrayed as that sort of, you know, very peaceful, calm, never sort of displayed any, you know, like, extreme anger or anything like that. So is there anything out there that does sort of tap into that? Or is it literally all, oh, yes, he was, you know, never raised his voice sort of guy you know if that makes sense well there is one thing there is one thing so generally he is sort of like portrayed as this chill teacher except for one day when he goes back to the temple uh in jerusalem and sees lots of people selling stuff uh, oh. and he kicks off he loses his temper kicks off and gets a load of rope and starts whipping people and said get out get out uh get out my father's house stop selling stuff here so jesus wow. did lose his temper but that's kind of like the only example where he really wow. sort of like kicks off. So uh, that was like his limit almost. Yeah, <laughs> almost but then, you know, out of everything. If someone was coming selling pigeons in your dad's house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You'd kick off. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd grab the whip I have under the sink, you know, as we, as we all do. We've all got one. But no, <laughs> no but I, I find that interesting, though, because do you know what I mean, though? Like, I think when... I don't know, it might have changed, but like when I was taught about Christianity in school and stuff, you know, you couldn't, not a, not not that they were trying to deride him, you know, there was not a bad word about Jesus taught, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? He was sort of portrayed as the the perfect human being who didn't get angry, who didn't do any wrong. So that's, that's really interesting, actually, to learn that there are stories that are of that, even if it's just that one time. Everybody has their breaking point. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus do. breaking bad. <laughs> No, God. <laughs> Imagine. Um, I, I, going back, I missed something that I wanted to comment on in, in the scene with the Red Dwarf crew before before we get these breaking the commandments bit. Um, I like the line from Lister, and like because they know what he's planning on doing, and they're like, he's like, "What about Christmas? We've killed Wallace and Gromit." Because <laughs> yes. of course, Wallace and Gromit always came out at Christmas. Yeah, and more importantly for us, Adam, they've killed the Doctor Who Christmas special. Oh, I know. Such a travesty. But, but hey, it might come back. There's talk, you know, who knows? I like, I quite like the, I liked this scene of him breaking the commandments because he also brings up the kind of like hypocrisy of the commandments slightly. And in, in the sense of, um, you know, doesn't God break his own commandments? He's like, sick commandments is thou not kill. And he kills all the time. It's not killing, it's genocide. I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i quite what, like what? that kind of like highlighting because religions do have have quite a lot of like especially the religious texts if you read them as like a, a straight reading there's quite a lot of contradictions and hypocrisy within them so where they'll say do one thing in one bit and then do something different in a different bit or something that contradicts it what matt what's your take on, on that do you think that's a, a valid area for the episode to maybe critique or well, if there's one thing we've seen about Grant and Naylor is that they're not above <laughs> criticising established religion <laughs> in certain yes. things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's complicated. It's been going for 2,000 years, and that's mm. just our bit. <laughs> that's just the Christian bit. There's there's a lot more history to it. So, of course, there's going to be lots of wibbly-wobbly bits and lots of missteps and stuff. So, so yeah... Uh, so they had so, this line. It had this line, and and this does feel like the bit that I. It feels like, um, Grant is it Grant Naylor that's writing it by this point, isn't it? Um, or is it? I, I can't remember which one's still writing it by mm. this point. But whichever one it is, 
um it it feels like this is the section where he's getting his kind of like slight grievance against religion across slightly and i like i quite like the line it's strange but these 10 commandments seem to ignore the rights of women and children but are big on protecting the rights of oxen slave and donkey owners i mean it's almost as if a man made up these commandments to keep a primitive people in check because however much you want to talk about like however much religion is uh whether or not you believe it's true or, or whatever they it the powers that be in the countries or whatever have often taken that and used it to oppress people regardless um of whether or not it comes from a good place originally and that, I think that's quite an interesting point to make. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been weaponized in ways it shouldn't have been mm. over a lot of years, uh, which is a bummer. But, yeah. you know, like I said, 2,000 years, eventually going to get a yeah. bit wobbly somewhere. Some things change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the Red Dwarf crew come back, try and talk Jesus down, you know, give him some words of reassurance and you're going just because, and, and this it kind of ties into what you were saying just then. Just because some stupid people do stupid things in your name, it's not your fault. Like, you can't control mm. what they're going to do in your name uh, hundreds, thousands of years after you've died. Um, it's not your fault. And you make a lot of people happy. Um, <laughs> but then he does call him a bit of a knob as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a bit of an oxymoron there. But, um, yeah. But then yeah. he says, you know, you're a bit of a knob. But so am I. So that makes me feel better because I, I know that even though I'm a bit of a knob, I can, I'm still mm. a good person trying to do good things. So yeah. there's quite a sweet message in there, I think, in amongst all the <laughs> jokes and the, the name calling. Yeah, I think it just sort of ties into that thing of like none of us, you know, regardless of what we believe in or what we start like. No. Well, I read it as like, you know, no one's perfect sort of thing. You know, we've all got vices or we all make mistakes or we all do you know what i mean and it's like I, my I, again like as phil said i i see my i view myself as an atheist but that doesn't mean you know i don't have a, a morbid hatred or distaste for anyone who you know of christianity or any religion and I, I i don't like it if it's forcefully pushed onto me if i've politely said no thank you you know but i'd, I'd never look down on someone just because they are of a religion and I mean, that's how I took it. You know, it's just sort of that we're all the same to that degree in the sense that we're not, no one's perfect, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, none of us are. <laughs> no, not even Jesus, apparently. So well, in this context, no. Uh, no, well, yeah, in this universe. Theologians yeah. may disagree with you. But <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the point in the story, though, where we uh, get the reveal that actually he is, because he mentions that he's uh, Jesus of... Caesarea or something like that. Jesus, I can't remember the exact. Caesarea, I think it was. Caesarea, Jesus of Caesarea. Caesarea. Yeah. And they're like, "Don't you mean Jesus of Nazareth?" It's like, no. And then that's when <laughs> the penny drops that it's not the famous Jesus, and Jesus is actually like quite a popular name at this time. <laughs> and there's quite a lot of them, and that he goes through a few of them. Yeah, there's a few of us. There's Jesus, son of John, with a funny nose. Jesus, son of Luke. He uh, wraps plant leaves around the feet of horses. About seventy of us at the last census. And yeah, so it's completely different, Jesus. I mean, was was that a common name back then? Yeah, uh, it it was. There was there was tons of Jesuses. There was tons of Jameses. There was tons of Marys. I mean, Jesus had at least two or three in his entourage. There were loads of Johns. <laughs> it's a, I mean, in the pub I work in, uh, 
if you're called Dave, you've got a nickname because there's so many Daves. It's it's that kind of thing. Oh, wow. it's, it's like the old John Smith sort of thing. You know, what's his name? John Smith. It, it was one of those pool of popular names that pretty much every other dude was called some variant of it. So yeah, it was a yeah, very yeah. popular name, which is uh, which is which is true. Everyone on. knows a Dave. Yeah, everyone knows a Dave. Um, so they, they even though he's not the famous what um Jesus that's going to inspire a religion, they give him some you know comforting advice and say, look, you've had a trip to the future, take what you've learned, and do something with it. And what he does is he invents the carrier bag. And sell to invent the tote bag. And so I love that moment. JC bags. Get JC bags here. Uh, That was quite a nice sort of moment to sort of almost end on. Uh, But the real ending gag is that then they're sitting around still in AD 23, and another man walks, another sandaled, long haired man walks in and goes up to a restaurant um, and says, Oh, I've got a table booked for Jesus. Yes. And then somebody else, oh, and I'm here with my brother, and the brother's name is Judas. And then they have yes. to pull like Rimmer back down from going up and talking to that one. Yeah. <laughs> the implication so, is that that is the famous Jesus. Yes, and the, and implying that he's uh, that Judas was indeed his brother. Yes, in the Red yeah. Dwarf universe, at least. Yes, big disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is another one which I thought ended on a good gag. I said this about last episode. I think they're ending on strong, strongish gags this season, which for a few seasons they had quite weak endings where it was kind of like, oh, that ended in a really weird place. But I think every episode this series so far has ended on quite a strong gag. Um, I don't know what mm. you guys think about that. But... No, I liked it. Sort of like a nice full circle thing. It was one of those where we didn't need to see the gang back on the dwarf at the end. You know what I mean? It, it kind of worked finishing in that little town. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked. It was one of those gags that just just it just hit. It just landed. You know, it wasn't one of those long drawn out ones that they've had in previous seasons. Yes, mentioning absolutely. a certain justice yeah. based episode. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> infamous justice. But yeah, it just it knew when to end, and it just did it, and it was ace. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's the, that's the episode. What, Matt? What generally are your, as a theologian, what are your thoughts about this episode? Um, it's a sort of overall general thing. Do you think? Because I was wondering, like, obviously, me and Adam are coming at this from a sort of atheist perspective, and while I, I don't think either of us want to um, mock religions or anything like that. Uh, there's a, there's a always a healthy amount of being able to laugh at yourself. Um, and I've certainly laughed at jokes about atheists before. Uh, so do you think this, how do you think this balances the line? Do you think it does it well? Or do you think there's, a, you know, it, it verges over the line in some places? What are your thoughts? Well, being, having gone through the degree I've got, uh, yeah, I can see it as what it was. When I, first, when I first saw the the sort of synopsis of this episode back in the day, I thought I was going to hate this episode but I really enjoyed it because a lot of the stuff that gets covered in this, like, as I said, it got covered in my degree. Um, I mean, there's, there's a note here, uh, you know, oh, I might have had some bad bark from an acacia tree, uh, which Jesus mentions at one point when he goes to the future. Um, uh. There are theories that some of the visions were caused by certain substances, but they're, oh, they're, no. out, they're out there. <laughs> they're out there theories. They're not like widely accepted, but, 
<laughs> so as, as someone that's done like all the study, it really made me chuckle. I, I went into it thinking I'm going to hate this episode, but it came out actually really enjoying it. However, I could see how some people might get bent out of shape by it, <laughs> yeah. but not me. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. Because, well, uh, I mean, there are there are even theories that, um, you know, some of the sayings of Jesus are actually meant to be comedic, but they've just got lost in translation over 2,000 years. You know, the equivalent yeah. of, hey, Peter, pull my finger. Um <laughs> but lost in translation because of a different culture and a different mindset and a different who knows you know yeah absolutely, absolutely. Mm. I, I should share not that my dad's ever watched I don't think my dad's ever watched Red Dwarf but he did a um, theology um, uh, some kind of theology course at some point not a full degree but something uh, I think it was a foundation thing um, so maybe I should show it to him <laughs> although I don't know if he <laughs> would appreciate the general humour of Red Dwarf so maybe it's not the best, but it'd be a good uh, good litmus test of somebody that uh, doesn't uh, doesn't usually watch those type of shows and see how they would appreciate it. Mm. Um, right. Well, we normally do some other uh, regular features on the show. We have our funniest moments, our favorite character, and of course, we bid a mark out of ten. So let's start with favorite character. Matt, do you have a favorite character in this episode? Oh come on! It, it's got to be it's got to be Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, well, the funniest thing about Jesus for me was that he's a Geordie, well, not a Geordie, um, but his characterization, he's very much from that top end of the UK, which for me made me chuckle because Jesus was from the north of Israel. So if, uh-huh. we, if we were to equivalent, he'd probably from, be from Carlisle-ish, so he'd have that accent. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just thought, I just thought it was hilarious. Jesus was. A I fun, wonder if, it, was a fun if that character. was deliberate. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly not. But uh, yeah, a funny he, coincidence. Anyway, yeah, he was. He was just such a fun character. Good. They've done. They've done a lot of historical fun characters before. Uh, and why not? Why not aim for the the stars with this one? Yeah, Jesus, my favorite yeah. character. <laughs> yeah, Adam. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm following the same as Matt. It's got to be Jesus. I love, I love the portrayal of of him in in the Red Dwarf universe, and the, I think the actor does a great job of making it just really funny and quirky. Even at the end, like the JC bags gag was pretty fun. Like that was a contender for my funniest moment. It didn't get it, but um, yeah, j- just great stuff. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Jesus as well. And let's make it a trio then, because I am also going. <laughs> I think Marvelous. the actor just nailed it. He was the comedic timing was perfect on all of his line deliveries right from that first moment where he turns in and go yes it was just perfect every line delivery was great um and, uh, and the accent yeah the accent worked really well the northern accent worked really well um what about funniest moment what's everybody's funniest moment matt for me it's got to be that last supper recreation <laughs> it's just it's, <laughs> just the just, visual imagery it's just, of it. just that image of just them all sat there and someone offering, oh, do you want some of this? It's, it's just, yeah, it's it's so subtle, but I loved it. It's just, it's just, just raise that chuckle. So it's got to be that one. <laughs> Adam? For me, it's the reveal of um, what happened to Lister's spleen. I just thought the reactions <laughs> from uh, from uh, Lister and Kat and and. Again, the studio audience helps because you can gauge how long to like, you know, drag that reaction out. 
and I just think the timing of it and everything was perfect. So yeah, that was my funniest moment. What about you, Phil? I am going for the moment where uh, Rimmer first talks about the fact that his middle name is Judas. Look, it'll be fine. We'll get talking. I'll tell him my middle name's Judas. <laughs> One thing could lead to another. We could wind up big buds. <laughs> just like that line made me laugh out loud. I like that. Because I can That's almost cool. imagine that Rimmer would then go on to be the actual Judas because he has all the personality traits of somebody that would betray someone. Yes. No, it was a good moment. And what about Mark's out of 10? Um, Scutter's out of 10. How many would you give it, give it, Matt? I'm going to give it a solid eight and a half Scutter's out of 10. Absolutely. Nice high score. Absolutely. Yes. Adam? Eight and a half. Well, I'm a, I'm, I think for this one, just on my gut reaction, I'm, I've, I've given it a seven. Um, I did enjoy it, but I think like we said, the, the first part, basically until we get until we get Beam down to uh, down to Earth in 23 AD, it just felt a bit meandery for a lot of it. Um, once we get down to Earth, I enjoyed a lot of the stuff, as we said. But yeah, I, I, I like to say I always like to stick with my gut. I don't like to try and flip on the fly. So yeah, I'm going to go with a seven for this one. I, you, I'm pretty much mirroring you exactly there, Adam. I have also given it a seven for the exact same reasons, and it's the first half of the episode which just didn't feel like it had much coherence or structure or just kind of felt a bit like, yeah, I wasn't that hooked by anything that was happening. But once they get down to 23 AD, it's a great episode. It's just got that, if, it, if the first part was stronger, then it would have gotten higher, but I think it brings it down a bit. So yeah, I'm also giving it a seven. Here we go. Wonderful. Well, at least they're all positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still a good episode. It's still enjoyable to watch. Um, so that's good. Um, Right. Well, that's that's it from us. Um, Matt, where can people find you on the Internet? Where can they find your YouTube channel? You can find me at Cask Theology, which is a channel about theology and beer. Uh, uh, the next episode will be about the Shepherd of Hermas, which is a weird book that nearly made it into the Bible. The one after this, Ooh. the one video after this is one that Adam can't watch because I might have to delve into spoilers uh, because I'm going to be oh. I'm going to be dealing with the theology of cats. From Red Dwarf. Oh, right. Because <laughs> oh, I do do, because I occasionally delve into the theology of certain pop culture. I've already done the Navi, I've already done uh, Cthulhu. All, so, But generally, I'm doing theology and beer. So you can find me there. Nice. Or you can find my ramblings on Twitter at Cast Theology as well. So you're going to be talking all about the uh, the great cloister. Yes, cloister the stupid. <laughs> cloister the stupid. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, we'll make sure to um, uh, tag us in, tag us in that on Twitter when you release it, and we will make sure to share it. Brilliant! Thanks, for, thanks for coming along, Adam. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, for myself, so my YouTube channel is just Adam Martin. That's Martin with a Y. And um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do. That's just at Adam Martin AMTV. So please feel free. What about you, Phil? On Twitter, I am Culture Filter. Filter spelled P H I L T E R because my name's Phil. Um, you can also follow us the podcast on twitter which is at all dead dave pod and you can find my youtube channel where you can uh, find this podcast as well as this podcast is available on youtube and other podcast platforms but uh on my youtube channel philip hawkins where i also talk about doctor who and star trek and other geeky pop culture so um, do check out that thanks for listening and we'll be back for another episode next week as we continue our journey through series 10 Yes. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.